Thank you for joining us today on Drawing Near. This podcast is designed to help us in drawing near to God through reading God's Word and then applying its truths to our lives. If I can be of assistance to you, feel free to reach out to me through my email address in the description section of this podcast. In Jesus' story of what is commonly known as the prodigal son, the emphasis is often on the youngest or lost son. But Jesus' focus is actually on the elder son. Today on Drawing Near, Jesus drives home the point that the Pharisees and scribes should rejoice over sinners being found. Let's take our Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 15, and study, Where is the Rejoicing? And as we prepare for today's study, let's pray together. Father in heaven, as we come before you, we pray, Lord, that we would be wise enough and discerning enough to bow to you in faith, to know that you are God, to hear your word, to be led by your spirit as we seek to follow Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, that you would help us to understand the deep truths of your word and not just the surface truths. Help us, Father, in being what you've called us to be and not being like the world or carnal Christians. Father, our desire is to humbly bow before you, to yield to you, and then to receive your word and obey its teaching. Help us to do just that. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In Luke 15, beginning in verse 25, we read this. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. There are several truths that Jesus has been focusing on in Luke chapter 15. One of the truths is, the person who loses something that is lost treasures it enough to go looking for it. Whether it's the lost sheep, whether it's the lost coin, or even the lost son, in each case, the thing that is lost is treasured by the one who has lost it, and they look for it. The shepherd went after the sheep, the woman searched the house for the coin, and the father went out and looked down the road and watched for his son. Another truth in these passages is this. They find what they were looking for. That's an important thing. God finds what he's looking for. Praise the Lord for that. And when they're found, they are received. The person who had been looking rejoices and calls others to rejoice as well. These truths come through each time. But in this last story, in the story of the lost son, there is something unique. We are told about the older son. In other words, someone who did not rejoice. The older son had been doing what he was supposed to do. He was out in the field. He'd worked there all day. He'd been working there while his younger son was off squandering his inheritance. And when the day came to an end, he came and drew near to the house. And when he came, he heard music and dancing. Evidently, being out in the field excluded him from the news that his brother had returned and that the father was throwing a reception or a party for him. And so he asked one of the servants what this meant, and he was told that his brother had come. And his father received him safe and sound, and he killed the fatted calf and was throwing a party. In verse 28, we're told, instead of rejoicing, it says, but he was angry and would not go in. 
The father's rejoicing. He's throwing a party. Others are rejoicing with him because his son who was dead is now alive. The one who was lost is now found. So the father had to go out to him and plead with him. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you have never given me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, not my brother, but as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. Now look at the attitude, because since this is new in these three stories, we need to understand why it's here. The Pharisees and scribes didn't understand why Jesus ate with and received sinners. They didn't like sinners. They saw themselves as above the sinners. They saw themselves as always keeping the commandments, always doing what was right, being faithful, and therefore superior to these sinners, and they felt that they should be more loved or better received by God the Father, more rewarded. And they didn't understand what all this doting on sinners was about, just like the older brother. He was angry about this thing. He was angry that his brother had come home, that his father had received him. What did he want? The father to punish him, to put him in exile, to make him a servant under his older brother's authority? The older brother doesn't have any love for his younger brother. He's bitter, judgmental, and angry. And we see that in verses 29 and 30. But notice verse 31. The father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. Now, that's an important truth. This father represents God, and we are God's children. And as faithful servants with God, those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. All that the father has is ours. He hasn't withheld anything from us, even his own son, Jesus Christ. Verse 32, it was right that we should make merry and be glad. What I'm doing is the right thing. It is right to rejoice over lost sheep, lost coins, or lost sinners, lost sons being found. This is right. In other words, son, what you're doing is wrong. If you were doing what is right, you should be making merry. He's telling this to the Pharisees and scribes, that their attitude is wrong. They're challenging him, saying he is wrong for eating with and receiving sinners. And he, in turn, is telling them now at the end of this chapter, I'm doing what is right. I'm rejoicing over their coming and hearing and and receiving the kingdom. You are wrong. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead. Notice the father doesn't say, my son was dead. Earlier, the elder son said, when this son of yours came, now the father says, your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. That's the truth of this, isn't it? The truth is, sinners are lost. Sinners are dead. They're estranged from God. The whole scripture teaches this. And when that which is dead is alive again, or that which is lost is found, we ought to rejoice. It doesn't matter if it's a drug addict, or an enemy, or someone engaged in grotesque sin. We shouldn't look skeptically. We shouldn't look down our nose at them. We shouldn't see ourselves as better and more faithful. We need to rejoice. 
Sometimes when lost people are saved and come into the church, people who've been in the church for a long time are very jealous over their positions and responsibilities, and they think that because they have been in the church for a long time, or that they've been a Christian a long time, that they ought to be deferred to. That's not biblical. We are all a part of the body of Christ, and God is not a respecter of persons, and neither should we be. We need to receive the lost sinner with all of our heart with great rejoicing, because those in heaven rejoice when one lost sinner comes home, and we ought to rejoice with them. I pray that we're not like the lost son, but if we are, I pray that we return to our father. Now, in a sense, we've all been like the lost son. I pray that currently we're not like the lost son, claiming to have a relationship with the father, but squandering all that he has given to us, living in the muck and the mire of the world, wasting away his precious gifts. I pray that we're faithfully following him and that we're doing so not like the elder son, but we're doing so with the father's heart in us, that we are like the father. That's my prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for this passage. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to have the kind of love we need to have and give us the strength we need to have in order to love the way you call us to love. Guide us into understanding your word but as we understand it, to faithfully living it. And help us, Father, to be in the world, but not of the world. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or the Facebook page Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City based on the truth that if we will draw near to God, he will draw near to us.